Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network, and today it's just the two of us, Brent and I. Brent, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. So today, Brent, we're going to talk about the North Carolina Baptist Convention, which we recently went to here in the middle of November, and it was a very good convention. It was an abridged convention, and for the sake of time today, what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of focus on maybe three or four things that each of us are kind of, kind of walked away with that we found very very much was helpful or had an impact on us. And so, brother, why don't you share one thing that you found uh, to start us out here? Okay, well, first off, and this doesn't necessarily have to do so much with the content, but I felt like the, I feel like the state convention did a really good job with, uh, with conducting an in-person meeting, considering the circumstances of COVID. For those that have been to the North Carolina Baptist State Convention before, you'll know that registration is sometimes quite the nightmare with long lines and things like that. It was it was quick. It was simple. Um, I hope they continue to do registration like that going forward, even without COVID. But there was never one time that I felt, you know, uncomfortable or anything like that. If anything, if any in-person meeting can can be safe or feel safe. That one certainly did. So I thought they get, did a good job with that. Um, like I say, it's not really about content, but just hats off to to everyone that pulled that off. And you know, we're a couple. That's a couple weeks behind us now. Um, there's not been any news about it being any kind of super spreader or anything like that, thankfully. And so it seems like you know, even over the last couple of weeks, it's it's proven that they did a good job handling handling COVID and still being able to do something in person, even though it was just one afternoon rather than the two days that we're used to. Yeah, and that was held down in Charlotte, and uh, the the crowd was pretty pretty uh, good about keeping with COVID guidelines and not being right on top of each other, and they had the pews marked off, and everyone wore a mask, and it was it was pretty well, you know, it was pretty well organized and, and in good keeping. Like you said, there's no evidence of a being a super spreader event or anything like that, so. Yeah. All right, so you this was you've been to multiple North Carolina Baptist Convention meetings, right, Brent? I mean, this was not your yeah. first rodeo. So yeah, this uh, was this was probably number eight or nine, maybe. Yeah. For me, for me, it was the first, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, this this one compared to the other one was usually it's a multi day event, right? Mm-hmm. Like most state conventions, and you've got pastors kind of conference usually on the front end on the a typical one, right? Where you have yeah. preachers coming in. Yeah, it's always, of course, we always hold it in Greensboro. Pastors Conference starts Sunday night and goes up to about midday on Monday. And then the annual meeting starts on Monday afternoon and goes up till Tuesday night. And then this one, all that, well, they cut as much as they could out. And they basically made it to where it was all events happen within about a, let's see, I think it kicked off at around, check-in was at 10.30, they started the first session at 1, and then it concluded at 4, four o'clock p.m., so it was not a very, it was an abridged, you know, yeah, convention. Very so. much so. But I felt like there was not a lot of wasted time, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of, they, they made sure they whittled it down, you know, when I was writing my doctoral um, thesis there uh, on 
revitalization. I remember one of the best tips that I got for how to write was take everything you need, write it down. You said edit it, cut back as much as you can, let it cool off and then come back and cut about half of that out after you've done that. And I was like, that's a pretty good piece of advice. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with the convention. They really got down to the bare necessities. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, they definitely did. So what's one big thing you're walking away from this convention with uh, that hit you as we were going through this? I would say, I would say probably the biggest thing, um, just, just on a very personal level, uh, and this would have probably been the highlight of the convention for me. And I, I, we didn't, we didn't really talk about this much before we started recording today, but I'm sure you probably plan on mentioning this too, but the highlight for me was Sam James a longtime missionary. He, he no served in uh, Vietnam, I believe it was for 40 years. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it was said at the convention, anyone who would voluntarily live in Vietnam for 40 years, it says something about them. But a couple things that he said that just really, really struck me um, was that when even now it seems sounded like he's able to make some short term trips over uh, back over to Vietnam to um, visit and to do some ministry. And he made the comment that every time when he comes back home, he tells his wife, usually with tears in his eyes, that if I wish I just had one more life to live, and if I did, I would live it the exact same way. And, uh, you know, that, that just sort of caused me to stop and say, well, am I living the kind of life that if I was to have another life, I would want to live it the exact same way? You know, that just... Um, that says so much about the confidence that someone has not only in their faith, but in their Lord too. And then the other thing that he said after he'd been over in Vietnam for, I can't remember exactly, maybe six, seven, eight years, he was getting frustrated. There wasn't maybe the harvest that he had hoped for. He had sort of already made up the decision in his mind that he wanted to go home. And he was, he was praying. He was saying, Lord, if something doesn't change, I'm going to pack up. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back to the States. I just, I don't have the same passion. I don't have the same love for the people that I once had. And he said that, you know, the Lord's response to him was to remind him that he wasn't in Vietnam because he loved the people. He was in Vietnam because God loved the people. And I think that's something important for all of us, not not just missionaries across the seas, but even pastors in the pulpits, that, that the people you serve, you're serving because God loves those people and you should as well. But you know how it is in the ministry, all of you pastors, it's easy to get frustrated and burn out and run down and aggravated with people. Uh, but yet, yet God loves those people. And, and that's why he's called us to serve them. So those on a personal level, those were definitely, that was definitely the biggest takeaway for me was Sam James's message. Who was, who was the, he, he preached the convention sermon is what that was. I would agree with that 110%. That was actually one of my three things I was going to say that exact line really just about hit me between the eyes. And I think that sermon may be available online for pastors who are interested in listening. And I, I'm going to, I may put that in the show note links if people would like to go, you know, jump on and look at that. But uh, you want to talk about a, a faithful servant of the Lord who is solid and gospel centered. Uh, you will be blessed if you go back and listen to that sermon. But that, that statement he made where he said, you know, I, you're here because I love these people, man, that hit me right between the eyes, right? And that, yeah. that got me right there. And I think it's worth mentioning, Sam James was actually on the uh, prayer team and even plant team for what is now a very, very well-known church in the SBC, which is Summit Church, who's pastored by J.D. Greer, the president of the SBC. And so it was, it was cool to hear that story as well. 
I think that the Summit Church should pay reparations to the University of Tennessee and the Tennessee Baptist Convention because <laughs> Pat Summit is a Tennessee Baptist thing, man. We call our meeting the Summit, so you know we should have, we should have like a trademark on Summit. There's not any mountains in Raleigh. There's no summits in Raleigh. It's flat. Come on, man. You know. Anyway. All right. So yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah, he pretty neat. And of course, JD Greer was there. I, I wouldn't say JD Greer played a huge role, you know, in the in the convention, which kind of surprised me because he is such a well known name nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, you know, he made his presence known there. And then, of course, one of the things we saw happening was the uh, state exec is retiring for North Carolina, right? Yeah, Milton Hollifield Jr. He this he will be retiring. I believe February is one some sometime in February is his his last day on the job, if you will. But but yeah, he's served North Carolina Baptist for for a long time, and that was really one of the big reasons I think there was an in person meeting was to be able to honor Milton Hollifield. And you could tell that Milton is very well respected. The job that he's done in North Carolina has a lot of respect. Just in the uh, sort of commemorative video, uh, the video that they played honoring him, you know, some of the, I guess you could say the who's who of the SBC were in that video thanking him for his service. And so, you know, his impact has obviously been felt far beyond, uh, far beyond North Carolina. I agree. Uh, they they definitely gave him a victory lap, right? You know, at Bristol Motor Speedway, whenever you win, you get to go around the track one more time, give the yeah. audience a wave there. He got a victory lap there at the end. But I think that some of the things he said at the conclusion of that were impactful for pastors. I think that one of the things that stood out to me, there were two statements that he made that I walked away with and thought, I am going to try to commit myself to those two things. One of which was um, the importance of a of a, I wanted to say intense, but that's not the right word. I think his secretary was describing what a prayer time was like in his office. She said she would go in and, you know, almost talked about it as if she was stepping into the Holy of Holies, you know what I mean? Or something like that. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's exactly what it was like, but she said, you know, you just felt like the presence of the Lord was there, you know, striving to have a prayer life where, you know, those that you, you don't do it for those that are around you, but where, it makes a marketably different uh, difference in your ministry from day to day. And I know all of our pastors are probably pastors of, of prayer, but I think if we had to be honest, we could all improve our, our prayer time and our intimacy with the Lord. And then the second thing he talked about was the importance of living a holy life, one that does not undercut your ministry, because I do think that mm-hmm. if we don't live holy lives in front of the people, we undercut our ministry. And I think this is a brother who is speaking not just from, you know, you need to do this, but someone who has actually done these things. So, yeah, you know, something I found interesting and I've known, I've known Milton for a long time. He's, he's actually, he's actually from the Spruce Pine area. He's still got family in the Spruce Pine area. Um, He's been, he's, he's been with Avery Baptist before at our um, fall gathering on two different occasions here in just the, the recent past. Um, and I've always, I've always known Milton to be a man of prayer. But one of the things that was so interesting to me is they were sort of celebrating his years of service. There was almost more said about his prayer life than there was anything else. And I thought that was just a really cool way to be remembered. Um, 
would not be a bad thing to be remembered for yeah. at, the, at the conclusion of our careers, would it? So, yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was really good. I really enjoyed that. Uh, we did hear from it appears North Carolina has tried to put together a church revitalization team. Terry Long spoke for a minute about that. Um, there are some resources available for that. It sounds like they're making some good moves and some good good directions. One of the things that I really, you know, I've been a part, I've been a Kentucky Baptist. I've been an Indiana Baptist. I'm a Tennessee Baptist. Now I'm part of the North Carolina Baptist family too. And uh, I think one of the things that I enjoy most about, uh, I, I'm kind of a convention junkie. I like going anyway, you know, to the different ones. I like to make new friends. I like to hear the, the what's going on. I like I, don't, I would love to say I like to hear all the reports. That would be a little bit of a lie. Some of them are not as interesting to me as others, but uh, that's just me being real and truthful. Uh, you know, the budget reports don't excite me quite like the mission reports and some of the others, you know. Uh, I feel like budget reports are sort of a necessary evil in ministry life, you know what I mean? But um, but anyway, you know, as I was listening to this, one of the things that I have found has been true in a lot of conventions I've been part of, and I won't name any of the ones that I've been part of, is that sometimes the convention gets made into a, an opportunity to showboat numbers and it yeah. gets pushed baptism numbers, budget giving towards CP, you know, maybe even Lottie moon donations. You know, I've even heard seen that before and it's just all about these, these numbers. And I remember there was one convention that's not too far away from North Carolina. I'll just leave it at that. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember I was sitting in a, in a pew with a guy and they honored him for his numbers that he had put up for the year, big numbers he had put up. And he got down there and had a picture taken with the state exec. And when he got back, he said, Oh, does it look good? Does my picture look good? How, are we going to post that? What are we going to do? And it was just kind of, I don't know. Like I just sort of felt, is this really why we're gathering? Is this, yeah. is this really about honoring one another? And, I, and what I liked about the North Carolina Baptist Convention was it wasn't really a, it wasn't like that. You know, you got J.D. Greer and you got the Summit Church and you got all these opportunities to highlight these, these large churches. And that, that's not, you know, J.D.'s church is not the only church in North Carolina that's doing well, right? Yeah. There's other churches that are doing well. And none of that was highlighted because it was more of a great commission push. You know what I mean? And, and I really appreciated and walked away thinking, I wish all state conventions would restructure so that when they do these these meetings, they are encouraging all churches of all sizes in all places on the revitalization scale or the planting scale to be what we really should be about, and that's the commands of Christ and not yeah. about just numbers, right? Yeah, you know, I, I look forward to, you know, this coming year, hopefully we're able to have a full meeting and, and you're able to join with us again because, I mean— any convention, there's going to be times when it's about the numbers. Of course, the budget is always about the numbers, but and it was mentioned at, at uh, in Charlotte. But five of the top ten SBC sending churches are actually from North Carolina, and and even though that was mentioned, it's always mentioned in sort of in a heart of cooperation. You know, cooperation is like the Baptist favorite word, of course, but. You mentioned that J.D. Greer was there, but not playing a huge role. And he did. I mean, he's he almost always preaches at the pastors' conference when there's one of those. And I mean, he's going to be he's going to be seen. Um, but it's one of the things I actually respect quite a bit about J.D. is there's never any feel like he's trying to make it about him or he's trying to be seen. He's just there to to play a support role if that's what he needs to do. And 
Um, then of course at all of our annual meetings, they do a good job of not like celebrating one or two or three or four or five churches. It's really all about anytime, anytime there's numbers, it's really about what we've done together. A lot of times those numbers are going to come up like you're in North Carolina Baptist on mission reports and things like that. But as far as celebrating individual churches, that's not really something that happens in North Carolina. Yeah. I tell you why I don't really like that when you do a convention is because you got some guys in the state, any state convention, Tennessee, North Carolina, Kentucky, Indiana, and man, they're down in the trench and they've got 60, 65 people in their church or less. Mm-hmm. And they are being as faithful as they can be. I mean, they're, yeah. they're praying, they're working hard and they're just not seeing a response and they're not seeing fruit. And I don't know that I could point to that minister and say, well, that's an unfaithful minister. But I oftentimes think as he's sitting in the pew listening to this, uh, what is his thoughts? And I just like the cooperation you know, centering numbers and celebrations around what we have done as a state, not as much what, look at this church, and you need to be like this church, and you need to be preaching this style, which is almost what some of the conventions push, and that was definitely not the feel at the North Carolina Baptist Convention, so. All right, um, anything else that sticks out in your mind, brother, for... The, yeah, the last thing, just briefly, and I don't, th- I don't think it would have stood out to anyone who doesn't have um, I guess you would say a long history with North Carolina Baptists, but North Carolina Baptists are proud of a lot of things, our state paper, our North Carolina Baptist on mission, but North Carolina Baptist Children's Home is another thing that North Carolina Baptists are really proud of. Um, North Carolina Baptist Children's Home has done a great job for a lot of years, and um, it's been in the works for a little while. It was made public, though, at this year's annual meeting that um, – that the North Carolina Baptist Children's Home is now going to start offering adoption. And I think there's a lot of people that didn't even realize that Baptist Children's Home didn't offer adoption. Um, they would do, they do some foster care and some things like that. Um, but they, they've never had, they've never had any sort of adoption agency or anything like that. It's all, that's all done by, I guess you could say a third party. And so that's just really exciting news for North Carolina Baptist Children's Home that they're going to actually be able to start doing the placement of these kids that uh that they're that they're serving and taking care of so really exciting stuff for north carolina baptist children's home yeah and then uh one of the things i'm going to go back to for the north carolina baptist convention that i walked away from i finally found my notes they were buried but i found them uh, (laughs) is whenever they were giving the church revitalization um you know report they said 82% of, of North Carolina Baptist churches are estimated to be in decline, which mm-hmm. is why, you know, when, and, and I don't think North Carolina is, I actually think probably that's a conservative number for most state conventions. Like I would probably put it up near 90% or over. So, you know, when, that's what I mean by, you know, celebrating the, you know, two, 3% or 6% and not celebrating what we're doing faithfully together it's just not helpful for the vast majority of pastors. Yeah. And so I like the way they did that better. Uh, second of all, nationally, they're seeing decline in giving is what they reported, 2% less than th- this point a year ago. And then they also estimate that one in five churches will not reopen after the pandemic is over. Yeah. One in five, which I hope those are those assets are used for furtherance of kingdom. Do- you know, those dollars stay within kingdom use whenever it comes time for those churches to die, I hope that they die well so that others may be born and, you know, and, and continue to be faithful. 
So yeah, anything else before I kind of render one last thing here for my closing thoughts here? On the church revitalization topic, I mean, we've been complimentary of the state convention and what's going on in North Carolina so far, and rightfully so. Um, and church revitalization is rather new and it gets a little bit better all the time, but that definitely is. And, and, and you could tell at Charlotte, it's something that they're, they're, they're working on, but that, that's definitely something that needs to be improved, what they're doing and the resources and how they're providing resources to churches for revitalization. Sandy Marks is sort of over that. Um, and there's some improvements I think being made, but still a long ways to go, especially with, as you said, conservative numbers in the 80, 80 percentile range. It's, it's definitely something that needs improvement and hopefully North Carolina will continue improving that. I mean, I hope that's true about North Carolina that it's only 82. I mean, that still sounds like a ridiculously high number, but when I was doing my doctoral work, you know, I was seeing estimations nationally in the 90 plus levels. So that, that's a great, that doesn't sound like good news, but it's actually good news, you know, for North Carolina Baptist. And hopefully as they make that concentration, I'm afraid sometimes whenever we have made, this is, this is going to, I'm going to sound like a real church revitalization guy right now, but that's okay. Cause that's what I am. I think the North Carolina, or excuse me, the NAM North, North American mission board pushed church planning so hard that in some ways it was to the detriment of revitalization. And what happened was we ended up planting churches that were the same old faces, but just in new places, you yeah. know? And, and so it, uh, I think revitalization is harder because we're pushing people to try to live out the gospel in a context whenever they're angry, upset, offended, whatever. And sometimes those church plants, the, the neat, cool church plant just ended up being a place somebody could go when they didn't get what they wanted in business meeting. Let's just call it what it is, right? And so then the church is, you know, that's what they ended up being, much to the detriment of the kingdom. And I think that undercuts our message, right? Whenever we just split over minor things, I think the lost world looks at us and says, what's the deal with that? You know, so anyway. All right, <laughs> to close out, I, I found my notes from um, the dear brother that's that's the state exec that's going out, and I, I wrote down three or four things that he said as sort of his last things. He says, develop your personal time with God in prayer, in your prayer life and fellowship with God. He said, do that. He said, uh, return to holiness. He said, integrate the word of God into your children's life and into your ministry, which that's good advice, and then grow in your love for God, and he can love others through you. And that was the note that we left on at the North Carolina Baptist Convention, which I would call a pretty good note to leave on. So, all right. Uh, Anything else before we close out this episode, Brent? I don't think so. I think that pretty much covers it. All right. Well, I appreciate you being here. Join us next time as we continue on with topics that will be helpful here for you and your church as you continue to grow for the Lord and being faithful in the Great Commission and the Great Commandments. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.